Hello and welcome to the AP Top 25 College Football Podcast. I'm Ralph Russo, college football writer with the Associated Press. This week on the show, the great Dan Wetzel from Yahoo Sports. Dan joins me to talk about, well, just two topics we got to this week. Focusing on two of the most interesting coaches in college football. First up, Dabo Sweeney had a volatile exchange, it's probably a good way of putting it, with an irate Clemson fan on his radio show earlier this week. It was in many ways everything we love about college football, a bizarre confrontation that happens nowhere else in major sports. Dan and I talked about the exchange and we dive into Dabo, where he's been, where he's going. Next, Dan and I get into a big picture conversation about the sign stealing scandal, sign stealing scandal, he tried to say, at Michigan and coach Jim Harbaugh. It's another example of there are no easy explanations to anything in college football. What is the crime here? What should the punishment be? What could be the fallout? What does this mean for the future of Jim Harbaugh? We don't really have the answers to any of those questions, but hopefully we'll give you some things to consider beyond what you might be reading on the Michigan and Ohio State message boards. Thanks for listening to the AP Top 25 College Football Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just about anywhere you like to get your pods. If you like what you hear, please, please, please give us a good review and rating. It helps college football fans find us, and it helps us find more college football fans. And away we go. Joining me this week on the podcast, uh, the best sports writer in America from Yahoo Sports, Dan Wetzel. Dan, thanks for uh, hopping on here. Well, thank, um, thanks for saying that. Well, you know, I, much. I, you know, I, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I like you. Let's go. I like you. Let's talk football. Um, Let's talk football. So, yes, but thank you. So, so we were going to, you know, mostly we're going to try to talk about Jim Harbaugh, but, you know, the content machine never stops in college football, and mm-hmm. Dabo handed us just a platter full of of yummy stuff to dig into last night. I don't know. Should I read some of the quotes? Basically, he got a caller on his radio show. And by the way, like this is still like a tribute to it's the, It's one of the unique things about college sports, right? The coach still goes on local radio once a week and takes callers. And that alone is one of the reasons why we love college sports. One of the callers went off on Dabo. Why are we paying you $11 million to go four and four? And Dabo basically unleashed on the guy. And before I give you what my thoughts are, like, you know, just where did your mind go as you're seeing this play out on Twitter, which most of us tend to do these days? Yeah, I listened to it all. Yeah, I, I, a little bit with you. Okay, so part of the debate was Tyler from Spartanburg was very upset, and part of his being upset was was uh, Dabo Swinney's making eleven point um, five million dollars a year. And I thought, why when you're making eleven point five million dollars a year, are you on a call in radio show where Tyler from Spartanburg can yell at you for two and a half minutes? Right? Um, how much money is this radio show making? Like. <laughs> What are the ratings for the for the the Coach Sweeney show? I don't know. Call it uh, Tiger Talk. I think they call it. Yeah. Anyway, it and is Nick classic. Saban is still does of, one of these. Like the, the 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 highest guy in the totem pole still does one of these, and he has a media guest on like once or twice a week. I've been on it. I don't know if you've ever been on Saban's radio show, but he still does one too. It's it is. So it if is Nick can do it. Anybody can. Part of the thing because 
there's no Bill Belichick call-in show. <laughs> there's no Andy Reid call-in show. Like, it just doesn't, you know, like, why would we do that? <laughs> um, so I hope it never ends. Dabo was correct. I'm saying the name right. See, I always say his name wrong. Dabo. Da- Dabo. Yeah, Dabo. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've gotten better. Long A, Dabo. It's a fake It's a fake word. Dab boy. Someone called him <laughs> yes. Dab boy, yes. and it became Dabo, something like that. So, I, I, you know, I'm not good with English, as anyone <laughs> listens to our podcast knows, but I get this. Dabo, um, he's mostly right. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like, yes, he's I built mostly this. right. You're, you know, great. You were a fan before. There was a lot of Clemson fans back when they would go six and five every year. Um, but I gave you the greatest run, run out of your wildest imaginations, two national titles, you know, he's talking double digit win seasons, which actually isn't that much anymore, but 14, 15 wins, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, uh, ETN, all these superstars beating Florida state over and over beating Alabama. We, I, I gave you all that. We're having a down year relax or and he's kind of pointing to like the last three years that, Hey, 10 and two, 11 and 10 and three, 11 and three. That's good. Also. Uh, and he's right. The, uh, the expectation is greater than the appreciation at this point. Um, he, he earned his money by, by building the program up to where it was the one of the top two or three programs in the country, the number of applications and all that stuff that come in, uh, because of Clemson, the publicity, all the money that comes into the to that area, South Carolina. Um, so he's totally correct. It's just maybe this isn't the spot for a full-throated defense to yell at Tyler, or maybe it is. I don't know. He certainly got everyone talking. And the, the question is, both guys are right. Well, Dabo, Dabo's right, but can Ty, Tyler's kind of right. Like, well, what's up? How are we four and four? I mean, I some would say, and I, I texted with my our you know mutual pal Andy Staples last night. He was mm-hmm. one of the first people I reached out to, and I didn't weigh on on, in on Twitter because I was on a subway coming back from somewhere. Um, and you know, not everybody. You don't have to weigh in on Twitter, right? I mean, I don't know. Like, do you feel compelled when no. something like that pops up? I tend to feel compelled that like I got to get my take off here. And you know what? Yes, last night I decided I'm gonna sit this out. I'm going to talk yeah. about talk about it on the pod tomorrow, and I'm just going to sit this one out. So, eleven million dollars. Part of that is to eat it, right? When yeah. Tyler from Spartanburg calls you out, I think eleven million dollars. You know, you're paid to eat it every once in a while. I got a little different, a little bit of a different take, Dan, or maybe a slightly askew. It's just that, like, I don't know, man. We have really empowered people to be entitled and obnoxious. And frankly, sports fans especially, and sports fans have always been a little entitled and obnoxious, but I feel like it's even like, like, how do you talk to another adult that way and feel like it's appropriate just because they, so it's a different kind of a different conversation, a little bit of a different conversation about like the state of, you know, civility in the world. So that's where I found myself kind of rooting for Dabo a little bit there of like, you know what? Like you can criticize the guy, but don't come on and be an obnoxious d bag. Yeah. Like there was a little bit of that there where I find myself like rooting for Dabo. And as you said, he also makes good points. I mean, we now do live in a world where I think Saban has kind of ruined it for everybody. Where all these coaches are now like, well, why can't you just be awesome for fifteen years? Right. Right. Like Nick. Nick does it. 
but it's not natural throughout the history of college football. Most programs ebb and flow and you don't stay what Clemson was. It's very, it's, it is impossible. And that's, that's what makes Saban so remarkable because you can't do it. And, and I agree the civility aspect and it was like Tyler's like ripping them. And then he's like, I do appreciate you're a man of faith. Uh, then you go back to ripping them. They go, but you do, you do have a lot of, it's like, okay, like, where are we in this thing? Um, and, and I, I, you know, I've, I've, I've actually written about this and discussed this a lot. Like there's parts of this where it's like civility. And part of it is like a little bit of, I think a backfire of where they start talking about tiger nation or, you know, seminal nation or whatever the different nations or tide nation mm-hmm. auburn family like they they bring the fan in it's like it's their program or their uh, country it's a good point and so they almost the, most people do not lose perspective okay but the occasional one is like like they're completely outraged because it's like it's happening to them yeah. it's personal i deserve this not um just hey we're having a bad year and so i think like in the pros you know, you can sit back and be like, ah, oh, we're having a bad year, but we'll get another quarterback. Yeah. Like to me, what happened to Clemson is very, very simple. Trevor Lawrence graduated <laughs> and they had Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence in a six out of seven year span. Um, I think there was a gap year. Yeah. Kelly they Bryant. At, yeah. Yeah. One year gap. They had two of the best college quarterbacks uh, we've had. And those, when you have a guy like the, like either of those, um, they, they solve problems. They win you the game, right? They lose to Duke because they kept fumbling. Trevor Lawrence wins that game. Trevor Lawrence gets in the end zone against Florida state. Like when you have a guy like that, you can have other deficiencies and they win you the ball game because they're the best player in the whole country. They're the best guy on the field. They're the number one future number one pick, or I don't, I don't know what Watson went, but whatever. The guy was incredible before his yeah. uh, lost track of himself. Um, Kelly Klubnik's not that guy. He's not as good as these guys. And you know how hard it is to get that guy? Yeah. It's one of them. They thought they had one in DJU, right? And he just they turned thought out they not, had, but who, who's, who's, a, who's a nice player, who's playing a nice, having a nice year at Oregon State. He just is not that guy. He's not that guy. Yeah. Klubnik, probably pretty good. Yeah. Not that guy. It's There's one of them. Maybe there's two, whatever. But when you have that guy, they solve all the problems. And so um, that to me, if you just want straight up, and so there's got to be a little bit of perspective of like, well, keep trying. Hopefully we get that guy. I think when you when you look, you know, you can have frustrations, but it's like, I think people are like, say the New England Patriots, they're frustrated with, um, with the, with the state of the Patriots right now, but there was a there was a lot of rope there because it was like, okay, we don't have Brady anymore. What do we have? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see if this guy's good. Right? You're a Jets fan. It's you know, are you yelling at Robert Sala because he's not winning all the games you thought you were going to win this year? No, because Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Yeah. yeah, 
right? And you go, wow, he's doing pretty good with what he's got. And that's just the nature of it. I think in college, there's this feeling that these, and the coaches play into it now. They it's, like to it's be personal. got it up. Yes, it's right? personal. It's a, it's a personal connection in college. And it's one of the reasons why it is so better. cool, right? I mean, yes, it's I can recruit things. better. Yeah. I am the one who can solve this problem instead of throwing up your hands. Like I laugh about like, okay, Greg Popovich is back now in the NBA because he's got Wemby. Right. Like he's been the greatest coach ever. And the year that like Steve Kerr would win, like, you know, 70 something games. And then Steph Curry's out for a year and they win 23. And you're like, well, did Steve Kerr forget how to coach basketball? Or he just didn't have Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, you know? So like some of it is just, but the coaches do this, they God themselves up. So I think there's a lot that goes into this belief that I am, I am owed 11 and 11 wins at least. Mm-hmm. And I am owed college football playoffs and I am owed the ACC and we have invested and we have, and that's just not really realistic. So I don't, you know, there's a lot of blame to go around. The question really is, can Dabo get it back? Okay. So and before we get in, before, I don't know. before we get into Harbaugh, let me throw this at you and then we'll move on. And that is the idea because I've talked about a lot, you know, on this show, a lot about what, yeah. what, what Clemson's next evolution is. And, you know, you hear Dabo, Dabo talking about like, do I want to, be here like things he sort of like vaguely throws out things like you know that suggest I don't know if if you're not going to appreciate me maybe I should just go Mm -hmm. but I also like I don't see Dabo being an NFL coach that doesn't that uh, that doesn't translate I you know there was a time when everybody thought he might be Saban's replacement frankly I, I don't know if I would want to be like is Dabo is Dabo the kind of guy who is going to maybe do a Bob Stoops and say, you know what, I made a lot of money, I'm out. I don't see that. I actually see Dabo as like being sort of, even though he suggested, hey, if you don't like me, I could just leave. I do think that he is a he's a scrapper in a way. You know, Stoops Stoops bailed because like. I think he always had a little perspective of like, hey, listen, man, like I, I got a nice life. Like I can go have my nice life and not have to deal with all this. Dabo seem is is not. Dabo is a scrapper and a fighter. That's who how he became what he is. So I could see him, hey, I'm gonna stick this out and I'm gonna try to prove y'all wrong, kind of thing. But I also don't know if he will be comfortable when he doesn't. Like when it when it never turns back to what it was, and he's still getting hammered for winning winning ten games. It's he's he's always a fascinating guy. Yeah. Um. And I and I agree. Yeah. I don't see him. First up, Alabama. If he thinks appreciation and expectations are a situation, <laughs> that you know, right. um, where, where do you see that? Um. That's 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 not the place for him. Like, could he retire and go run a mega church in Charlotte or something? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Um. Does he take a year off and then go take another job where he'll be appreciated? You know, sort of the Urban Meyer approach. We could do the Spurrier like, thing, right? Spurrier like had the greatest cheat code. He was like, "I'll go to South Carolina. They never win, and I'll win there, and they'll love me." Dabo, I will go. Yeah, I'll go to Michigan State. They're gonna go crazy for something like that, right? I don't know. Could he even operate in the? I Dabo is a different person than virtually every other coach that we have. He is, he is a scrapper because he's a completely self-made person. He grew up with incredible dysfunction in his life. Mm-hmm. He was not a gifted athlete who just got a scholarship, or even a good athlete who just got a like a you know. I mean, I'm no offense, but like, you know, Nick Saban goes to Kent state and gets it. He wasn't the son of a coach. 
he was the son of a dysfunctional father. His mother, they, they, they were homeless as, while he was in high school. He got himself to Alabama. He lived in an apartment at Alabama, walked on the team, got a scholarship, ended up getting scholarship, making the team, went in three letters, played part of a national championship. His mother lived with him. They they lived in the same apartment room, like they shared a bed because his mother had to, didn't have anywhere to live. I, I'm not saying other coaches like came up from the privilege, right? But like, like most of them are like sons of high school coaches, or they had some, you know, they had two parents, or maybe it was Bucock. Wasn't that? Yeah. Like there was, you know, if Dabo does, he's walked with a tightrope on no safety net his entire life. So I agree. He's not going to sit there and be like, wait, I'm, uh, you know, how do you think I got here? Like, I'm the one who said we can do this. I'm the one, even when I got to Clemson, said we can win these recruiting battles. I'm the one who got to Clemson, said we can be number one. Well, he was the uh, receivers coach who got promoted and, and managed to earn the job. He was yeah. out of out of coaching and got asked to come back in and become a coach again. Like you know, Every point of his story is like, hey, just one pivot. And you're not who you are, right? There were a ton of off ramps for him to not be here. Absolutely. Either in I just went and got a different job, or it really broke bad for me. His, you know, his brothers had struggles. He's, these are all public things, right? But the the struggles of his family, I don't know another coach quite like that. There are coaches who were grew up without great backgrounds or, or troubled families, but they were exceptional athletes who got you know, plucked out, sent to, uh, you know, got to go to college on a scholarship, made themselves. A, he's, he's just self-created all the way. So yeah, I don't see him. I don't see him backing down. He'll just buckle in. Now, does he have to use the transfer port a little more? Sure. Does he need to, you know, the evaluations, does he need to hire better staff? This, all those things. Can he do it? I don't know, but he is such a unique personality. And the guy you see now who seems so established and he's wealthy and he's and all of that stuff inside of him is still a guy. I think that's terrified. It's all going to go away unless he keeps pushing relentlessly every single day. Yeah. It's also the interesting arc and we'll stop from here of him being the beloved anti Saban yeah. for a while. And Clemson, yeah. Clemson was quite literally the happiest place on the planet. And he mentions this too, when he talks about the appreciation. I think that's I remember talking to him about this, about how, like, this has got to be great. Like your folks, like, just got to be in love like they're with the fact that you're having all this success because they never thought it was coming. And Dabble and I have talked about that, about how that made it a special and unique place where even at Alabama, where they can have the, you know, the greatest run in the history of college football under Saban. Well, we were pretty good under Bear, too, so we kind of expect it to be like that here, right? Yeah. Clemson had no precedent for being what it is now, and the fact that it is going back to being a little bit more like it was before Dabo got there, you know, I think is partially just gravity. Uh, yeah, you're, not, you're another statue on that walkway yeah. to Brian Denny Stadium in, in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, yeah. so. Your one of one is what Dabo has been yeah. uh, over his career at Clemson. So let's talk about Michigan. And again, you and Ross Dellinger uh, broke the story. By the way, also, you probably know this, but Dan, Pat Forty, Ross Dellinger do a podcast called The College Football Inquirer. It is ter- tremendous. Uh, they 
put out like three or four of them a week these days. Uh, lots of laughs, lots of laughs, lots of odd stuff. Um, oh, yeah. And good times. Yeah, very good times, uh, especially, uh, you know, 40s laugh alone is enough. Yeah, yeah. To, uh, He's got that Ed McMahon laugh. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's well, almost like and, a laugh We track. just taped uh, part of it. We're going to tape again uh, after the ranking show tonight. But, like, the number of mayhem stories right now in college sports, it's just fantastic. And none of them are in the SEC. SEC mayhem quotient is way down. It doesn't just mean more any in the SEC anymore. It is you got Iowa, you got Michigan, you got every, every, all over. You got Dabo yelling at guys. Everyone's it's crazy everywhere. That's what we love. We love the crazy. I, I remember saying this when we were going through realignment, and the SEC was on the sidelines for most of this year. And I thought to myself, well, when we have reached the place when the SEC has the moral high ground in college yeah. sports, <laughs> we have reached a really interesting time in college sports. Yeah, um, it really is. Let's talk Harbaugh. Again, you and Ross mm-hmm. broke the story, and the story's been evolving over the last couple of weeks. So it's a little bit, I don't know, it feels a little bogged down to me, at least as far as when I'm reporting it now. Like, where is this going to go next? Um, Dan, I have so many thoughts, and, and I mean, I literally have a pad full of thoughts here. But the first thing that comes to mind for me is the ambiguity of, like, how we should be reacting to this story. Because I think as soon as you say to someone, well, Michigan's in trouble for stealing signs, but stealing <laughs> stealing signs isn't really what they're in trouble for, and we don't really know, and that's not against the rules, what they're actually in trouble in for is this other thing. I think as soon as you put that but there, it opens the door to everybody sort of like, well, how how important is this? How serious is this? And I think everything sort of flows from everything about this conversation gets bogged down to me in yeah but everybody's doing it but like there's just all these buts 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 so I don't know like I know this is serious and I know there will be consequences and we'll try to like flesh out where this might go but I also think that the 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 overwhelming uh characteristic of this story is I don't know if even a neutral observer understands how to process what exactly is the crime here? And then I I know there's there could be a crime here, but then what should be the appropriate punishment, if at all, for that crime? And when you're immediately debating that, I think it throws the entire thing off the rails. Yeah, and, and it's like in this kind of a story, um, people either want to choose or they want you to choose or people choose. It's massive big deal or no big deal. And I've said throughout, it's a deal. I don't know whether it's massive or not. <laughs> we have to find out more. Um, if like Jim Harbaugh and the entire Michigan athletic department were funding and organizing this operation, and we found that out, I would consider it a bigger deal. If it's one or two guys in the, in the grad uh, assistant room uh, cooking up a way to, get their career going and doing this thing. It's a, it's a, it's a deal. It's still a, still a penalty, right? Like if you, if you say the, but people are like, well, there's no penalty. No, I didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't do this. It doesn't, there's not, the rules are a little, you know, the rule book is, this is why they struggle to catch people doing stuff, but they, there's a violation here, but I agree. Like, well, what do we, you know, people uh, suspend the team for the rest of the year. Like that's Pandora's box. Like, what, you know, hold on now. Cause you're going to find out all sorts of stuff. Um, 
about all sorts of people. And then you got to do it again and, and this and that. We don't know. You know, so like, where is this going to end up? I don't know. Um, and I think it's, I know it's not fun, but it's fair to say, I don't know if it's, maybe it's this, maybe it's not. Let's, let's see where this is going. I, I agree with you. It's, it's a deal. I, I kind of have this feeling in college football, particularly, but football in general, uh, you, you have the people like, you know, fairness is at the root of, of, um, of sports and all this competition stuff. And right? level playing yeah. field. Yeah. yeah I, in certain sports, the level playing field is absolutely paramount, like a hundred meter dash or a hurdle, race, like track, right? Like you can't have one guy's hurdles higher than the others, uh, a swimming race, golf, certain sports, football and college football in particular is wholly about gaining every last advantage possible. There's cheating on every play that doesn't get called penalties. There's violate like all like everything is about deception. Everything is about this. It's gaining edges. It's recruiting. It's, it's building this building. It's paying an extra analyst. It's everything. Like I guess kind of when I just go to college football and people start talking about fairness and stuff, I just, my eyes glaze over. Right. I have this conversation with our mutual friend, Ari Wasserman, when he talks talking about the pursuit of excellence, I'm like, there hasn't, this is not about that. Like this is, this is not a level playing field. This is not anything close to being a level playing field. Nothing about the history of college football has suggested that like you, this is a meritocracy. No, the whole thing is about excluding people. Everything is a cheat. Everything is a cheat. That's kind of why I like it. And so, yes, we need, I'm not saying that you don't get punished. This is my thing with when Harbaugh's original uh, investigation, they're like, oh, it's just, he just bought a a cheeseburger for some recruits. No, he met with recruits when you're not allowed to meet with recruits. Yeah. That's a violation of the calendar. And if your NFL coach, if, 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 if free agency starts on March 1st in the NFL and you find out Bill Belichick met with, the top free agent on February 24th, there would be a penalty. Yeah. I just bring in the Patriots up by coincidence, of course. Um, <laughs> there would be a penalty, right? Now, does that mean you shut down the New England Patriots or you go, oh my God, I can't believe someone did this or what? You're supposed to, like, no. Okay. So, like, there are penalties. He, he's violating bylaws and stuff, but he's violating bylaws that are, are catchable and not all the other things. And part of the NCAA problem and why they have very little credibility and why this sport is so insane. And so many people just go, yeah, whatever is because everyone's, they can't catch various violations. They're a, they're a, they're a cop in a small town with a speed trap and they can, they can bust the guy driving off on vacation to cut through town and they can catch him going 55 and a 25 and they can write him a $400 ticket and they can maybe impound the car and they can absolutely crush that guy but behind them, when someone's robbing the bank or, or they're dealing drugs or there's an assault battery, they can't ever catch those people. And so you sort of sit there and go, all right, dude, you got me. But, you know, I'm not I'm, you're not winning uh, cop of the year. Right. Um, and that's kind of my thing. That's just philosophically about college football. So did they get an advantage? They wouldn't have done it if it wasn't an advantage. Sure. That said, what an advantage in what? Right. right. And that's the part where I'm like, OK, this is a deal. Right. What are the punishments? How much did they know? Why would they know? Is there a plausible explanation why Harbaugh wouldn't know? Uh, there might be. Right. Why would this guy tell everyone what he's doing? Or would the would the plan be so bad 
if more than just one or two people were in on it. Like, yeah. wouldn't someone say, hey, you can't buy tickets in your own name, dude. <laughs> right. Let's just give someone cash and then they go and buy it from the guy in the corner outside the stadium and walk in. No one will ever know. Right. All, all those things. So is it, you know, a suspension? Is it a show cause for certain guys? Does Harbaugh get hit with a suspension because the NCAA says you have to know everything? Um, sure. Is it? shut the program down. Well, you like, you, you, uh, you brought up an interesting point there because I think it, it's the college football mindset that like when we when we hand down penalties, they are draconian, right? There's yeah. a history of like you broke a rule. Now we have to hammer your program and cripple you like what happened with USC and Miami at times. And, and like that's not the way it works in other sports, right? I mean, like you may have, you know, a, a severe penalty is losing a, a high draft pick like has happened to the Patriots. Mm-hmm. But again, like we don't talk about shutting down programs, right? You yeah. you violate rules and there are penalties for that. And then we all kind of go back to competing against each other. But in, in college sports, the history of college sports, it, it, it suggests that no, 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 this is something uh, we are we are serving a higher purpose here. So we need to not just have penalties. We need to. We need to make a statement here about fairness and, you know, it just becomes so performative to a certain degree. Yeah. Like, yes, yeah. we got to we got to hit Michigan with something here. And now we're going to figure out if they're still the best team in the country. I've said this before, like the NCAA rulebook is a mess. The NCAA penalties are, are, are becoming very obsolete as the game has changed. And so people want. Michigan hammered and, and let's say even I, they, they deserve it. Let's say we find out that, you know, this was a widespread operation and, and, and they all knew about it and all that. Fine. There's not that much you can do in the modern era to destroy a program the way you could even 15 years ago. So they have various penalties. One would be show cause. You could get your coach fired or something like that. Sure. Um, suspension, things like that to the coach. So Harbaugh could, could get forced out or go to the NFL. And that would obviously be a blow. But after that, um, it's not like Michigan wouldn't get a good coach, right? Mm-hmm. Like everyone's going to want the job. Then you go, okay, recruiting, uh, scholarship reductions. Uh, uh, well, the transfer portal makes that kind of obsolete because you keep getting old. You could keep just bringing in seniors. So even if they say you can only have 15 freshmen, which they don't want to do because of player safety concerns. They'll even say they can't say, okay, so 25 scholarships, you can only get 15. That would be a massive penalty. That's what happened to USC. That was, yes, that would be a massive penalty. Mm -hmm. They're not going to do that here. Okay. But let's say they did. So what? They may only take 18, 20 now that they really care about anyway. They're going to bring in the kids in the transfer portal. They can solve that problem. Uh, You can't have, recruiting visits yeah uh you can't recruit off campus you can't instead of 50 recruiting visits you can only get 20 doesn't matter this is about nil now how much money are we giving how much how much these kids already are making money they can come visit your school as is the the th- those penalties are easy workarounds for a place as powerful as michigan or almost any major program if usc got hit like it did for reggie bush now those penalties wouldn't hurt p carroll might be gone Mm-hmm. but the, the penalties wouldn't be nearly as bad. You could give a postseason ban. That's a serious penalty. 
but they don't, they don't want to do, do that. that yeah, because they don't want to hurt. That's do what. That. That's why when when it comes up, this idea of what can you do to Michigan this year could the, and it, it's not the NCAA, right? Because th- their process takes a long time. It, it would be the Big Ten right. would have to step in. Is the bid is the Big Ten gonna tell those kids you cannot play in the postseason? Right. I mean. Uh, it's a tough one. I, I, like I don't even know if that would be fair, frankly. Like I, I like I, that just seems that seems outlandish that to think that they would do, and not to mention all the conflicts of interest with the Big Ten even trying to make that decision. Like I mean, put that aside to the idea that the, would the Big Ten actually want to do that? Is Tony Petiti going to tell Eric Shanks like, by the way, Eric, that 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 conference championship game that you paid a zillion dollars for, we're not going to have Michigan in it. <laughs> yeah, or we we you know, or we're just going to seed Ohio State in somehow to the yeah, playoff. Like what does that do to the rest of the season too? Yeah, like if you don't have Michigan, like so, I don't think that's even a a possibility here. Well, that that would raise to me that's like a Pandora's box because then the next time there's some kind of competition issue, right? Yeah, um, then you're drawing. It, that is the. That it, is the it's comp. it's like There's when the comp. NCA punished Penn State for Jerry Sandusky, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking that is yes. do not wade into this. This is outside your purview. Now, yep. obviously, on field competition is your purview in, in the Big Ten, but it was like they wanted to feel good, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, you just. But what about when the next thing happens? Yeah, and it, okay, it's not as bad as Sandusky, but maybe they deserve two years. So okay, this isn't as bad, All right? Anyway, back to the NCAA rules. Like, what can the NCAA even? If I'm a Michigan fan, the the, the damage these days is everyone's going to make fun of you. You're getting trolled. Maybe you lose your head coach. Or to you, a certain gets... degree, that matters a little more at Michigan, right? I mean, for Michigan, there is a yeah, sense of pretend that they didn't do this. There stuff. is a pretentiousness yeah. that comes with Michigan yeah. that is like, hey, we're above this stuff. So I think a lot of people are reveling in the fact that, haha, you're not. Right. You finally did it. Yeah. But every fan base that cares believes they all believe their coach is God <laughs> to a certain. That's the thing. Like To a certain extent, they all think they're well, we don't do that. Right. So it's like, look, at there are, you know, I, I from the school of Jerry Tarkanian, there are no white hats. There are no black hats. There are just gray hats. <laughs> and it's just what shade of gray are you wearing today? They're all the same. He's, he had a great line. Nine out of 10 schools. Uh, cheat the la- other ones in last place and <laughs> he was uh, way ahead of his time yeah and it's just like this is ridiculous because they used to paint it like well duke is the white hat and unlv is the black hat and it's like give me a break it ain't that big of a difference like this is a lot closer than you think and uh and it, and and i think that's played out through the years right north carolina oh well they didn't have this every like every school is going to have its thing Mm-hmm. And that's just how it is. And so you take your beating, they make fun of you and all of that. Um, I don't even know if the NCAA could hammer Michigan if it wanted to, because yeah. now it, I don't think it could hammer anybody now, even if it wanted to, because it's taken the postseason ban off the table uh, for the most part. And I'm fine with that. You can what vacate and stuff like that. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, once it happens, once the, I, that's know. what I keep telling people. Once the trophy's handed out, at that well, point, now what it, it's clear now they're not getting any violation the rest of the way. If I'm a Michigan fan, I'm happy. Like, you, what are you going to say? We, if you hadn't cheated, you would have lost to uh, Indiana. Like, no, we're beating them. You know, yeah, yeah. um, 
I mean, they whoever wins the rest of the way, everybody's stealing everyone's signs even more now. Now I was looking at social media on Saturday, TikTok and and uh, Twitter, and it's just random fans just filming the other sideline, throwing it up there like a joke. Right. <laughs> Anyone want right? Dave Portnoy from Barstool sat in Wisconsin Stadium and filmed the Michigan side, uh, the Ohio State side signals. Mm-hmm. And then put it on his Twitter feed with millions of followers for the Michigan coaches or anybody else. That's and that's legal. Yes, that's kind of kind of part of what this is. Just such a mystifying scandal. So it's like, did Michigan break the rules? Absolutely. Should they get punished? Absolutely. We don't know how deep, but like, it's classic college sports. It's like, well, but there's these all these loopholes, and we should have just had the headsets and, uh, and there's all this other like, stuff going on yeah, 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 how yeah, bad yeah, is it anyway yeah, yeah. And, right, right right and you're like oh okay you know yeah. um and that's the fun part so who knows what's going to happen with this um so thus so, far we haven't seen any any concern or thought that jim harbaugh actually knew and that to me is it and it's not that the penalty would be higher or less although i think it should be higher but that would change the scope of the scandal is how high did this go and did he orchestrate it or actually know, or did he just sit there and say, Hey, I had this, this U S Naval guy and this Marine. And I, I fell for the dupe that this guy was like some genius and could, could do the work. And he was, he was cheating on his homework. Hey, I must admit when, when Richard Johnson from sports illustrated had the story that, you know, had the exchange of text messages between uh, stallions and another person and another source, it did to me, like, you know, open a door to like, Oh, this guy's, this guy's a little crazy. That's this. This, loop, this is yeah. one of these guys, and this is one of these like overly motivated, you know, high achievers. But you know, in a way, like like you're bored. Like the, those people who are like super motivated high achievers, like they could be, they could turn out to become Fortune 500 company runners, or they could turn out to be this guy. Right. Yeah, or they're running a Ponzi scheme and wind up in yeah. You know, it's a right? super yeah. it's a super fine line between like the those the, that personality type becoming someone who changes the planet or someone who just writes manifestos, right? right. And, <laughs> and, and thinks I, see, they're going to run Michigan football in, one day. I don't want to be. I, I try to look at every one of these scandals in a in a vacuum and how I do it. And so I don't want to be seen as the one making excuses for Jim Harbaugh because oh not. sure sure and 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 on the last scandal they all were mad at me because I'm not going with it's just a hamburger. No, you met if you know you're not allowed to meet with recruits and you meet with recruits. Yeah, then you met with recruits. Okay, I mean like that's, then you're that's not a clear forth- line. And then you're not forthcoming about it. When yeah, you then, do right, meet, punish him. Yeah, then it be you 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 bring it upon yourself. But. 25 year old, 26, whatever in your twenties, you're trying to get your career going and you cut corners is an extremely common phenomenon (laughs) in every single walk of life. And you and I both have worked in journalism a long time. And there are reporters that come and go, or some, some stay and do quite well that I don't know about that quote. I don't know about that. I don't, you know, there's over ambitious people that are trying to do stuff. It's not that far fetched that someone's doing this. And that's why I just sit back and go, well, let's see. And so, yeah, you hear this man, you got an 800 page man of 600 page manifesto to eventually run the Michigan. You're like, okay, here we go. Um, Yes. Would that guy cut the corners? Absolutely. Would he tell people he's cutting corners or would he want to look good? That to me remains plausible if there isn't evidence to the contrary. And so that's kind of where I'm at on it is it's not just, 
you had to have known. There were times when these these head coach didn't know was, you know, roll your eyes. It's like, and it, often it was in basketball where you have three assistants, right? Mm-hmm. And your head assistant who's been with you for 18 years is handing out a car to recruit after recruit after recruit. And the head coach goes, I didn't know. I just thought they had nice cars, right? At some point, it's like, come on. But it's a little different when you're running football and there's all these different I, – I'm, I'm willing to Especially wait Especially nowadays see. when, like, you got guys whose, whose offices are in the basketball arena. <laughs> there, there's these, it's amazing. I think – I can't remember what coach was saying to me. Like, they oversee 120-something people. Yeah. Well, that's a hard job as a CEO. And if there is one coach I think would be absolutely horrible and <laughs> it's proven to be horrible at this is Jim Harbaugh. The guy's like – he, he can't keep a coherent thought for like 10 seconds publicly. He's had all sorts of assistants getting in all sorts of bizarre trouble, scandals, uh, police invest. Like he needs Jim Harbaugh's better suited as NFL coach. Yeah. Coach the locker room, drop the plays. Like Michigan needs a general manager and a team president and that type of stuff who handle all this other thing. Mm-hmm. Because if Jim Harbaugh is the CEO he, I don't think the guy could run a yogurt stand. I mean, like, it's, so he's this is not his thing, right? That's so I, that's, uh, my, I can my, see where you'd be like, oh man, I like Shem, I hired Shemmy Shembeckler. No one looked to yeah. see what is. Oh, I hired this guy. Oh, this assistant's doing this. So this guy's doing like, yeah, because you're Jim Harbaugh's not. He's like, I'll drop some plays and go mow the lawn. You know, like okay, you drink, know, let's sing milk. For he's a jolly good fellow after the game. He's crazy. <laughs> So my favorite Harbaugh anecdote, and I wrote it in a story, was Willie Taggart, who goes back to Western Kentucky mm. with Harbaugh's dad. And, like, you know, I will say, like, the the people in the Harbaugh family, and when I say family, I mean extended, like, the family of coaches. Which is the other interesting thing about Harbaugh, like, I don't think a lot of other coaches particularly like him. But he also doesn't extend his tree out as much as a lot of other coaches. Like, because he's a different kind of guy, like I don't think he—he's just a different guy. Like I don't think I could—I don't see him socializing at the Nike. You know, uh, no, I don't think he's going um, to camps. And just yeah, like or that. at the Nike cruise with a bunch of other coaches. But my favorite uh, anecdote from Taggart was, um, I this was when at Stanford, and he would say like, you catch Harbaugh in the hallway or between offices, and. You'd say, hey, you know, coach, I got to ask you about this, this and this. And you would start talking to him and Harbaugh's eyes would like five minutes into the conversation. His his eyes would sort of drift away. And without actually ending the conversation, he would just walk away from you. Yeah. So. And you'd be like, are we done? And I remember Willie saying like I, I remember saying there, Willie was saying like Willie, telling the story was like, I wonder if we're done. Was that it? Was he was he saying was that a yes? Was that a no? Um, I didn't really get that. But then the other thing Harbaugh would do is come back later and pick up that conversation almost as if like, like, coach, did you know you just walked away from me? Like, do you like do you realize that you just like drifted away from me? So he's he's a different kind of dude. Like, he's a different kind of guy. And. There is an incredible biography to be written about Jim Harbaugh. I don't know if anyone would read it and that's or buy it, which is why probably it's not written. Um, But like you talk about Willie Taggart, like one of my favorite stories was when he first met Willie Taggart and his dad was coaching Western Kentucky and they, they were kind of struggling. Right. Taggart was a quarterback there. Yeah. Yeah. 
this is before Tagger was down in Florida and, and Harbaugh is an NFL quarterback. Okay. He's working in the, he's put, he's a 16 years NFL quarterback. He was either with the bear. I think he was with the bears at the time. Maybe he was with the Colts where he like, you know, Harbaugh loves fights. Like he loves the chaos. He fought, he tried to punch Mike Ditka or something like that. Yeah. I am always fighting with somebody. Yeah. Disrupt. So he has, so he, Harbaugh has a condo in the off season in Orlando. Now he's an NF star NFL quarterback. This would be, you know, he's not uh, the best quarterback, but I don't know. No, this but would he's be, a starting NFL quarterback. Star. Yeah. Everybody yeah. knows him, right? Yeah. Everybody. I'm trying to think of like For the 15 years, like the Jared Goff was, or something. Yeah, he's right. Jared Goff, right. Right? right? Every single kid in the country knows who he is. And Harbaugh decides he's going to help his dad by doing some recruiting as a volunteer assistant. And he gets cleared by the NCA and he's calling around. And he calls, he finds, uh, he's driving around central Florida looking for players. And someone says, well, there's a pretty good quarterback over at, uh, I think he was over near Tampa more or Sarasota yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah, like plantation. Yeah. So he calls like up Willie Taggart's house and he gets his sister on the phone and he says, Hey, this is Jim Harbaugh. Is Willie there? No, he's not here from school yet. Tell him I'm coming over in like a half hour. <laughs> and so Willie Taggart gets to his house. He's like 17 years old. And so his sisters wrote down a thing. Jim Harbaugh called be here in a half hour. Right. <laughs> and his sister didn't know Jim Harbaugh. He's like, what? Like, what, what is this? Right. <laughs> this isn't even a, like, it wasn't even a prank because it was so weird. And she's like, I don't know. Some guy called. Next thing you know, Willie T- Jim Harbaugh's at his front door and they're throwing catch out in the street and all the kids are running down. Right. And it's just like, who else would do this? He used to recruit. Uh, I found this other guy in Indianapolis. He was a high school coach in Indiana and he was recruiting for his dad at Western Kentucky. Same thing. And during the season, he would call on Monday mornings to like high school coaches and be like, hey, I saw in the paper you know, Jimmy there uh, ran for 200 yards. Would it be interesting? And so he's like, you're getting a call. Like Sunday, you watch him win the game for the Colts. And at eight o'clock, he's a phone rings like, hey, it's Jim Harbaugh. And you're just like, what is this guy's a it's just total mayhem. And that like, that's his whole crazy life is just like, I don't know. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. And so I, he is a fascinating character. Yeah, I, I, I hope agree. he doesn't leave college football. Well, let's, let's go there next. Let's, let's wrap him. it up he's, there. This is, he's fun. He's like Urban. I want Urban Meyer back. Yeah, I, I, I find I, I don't know Harbaugh well. It's hard to get to know him. Now, you're in the area, so you can be around that program I, a little more. But I don't know how well you know him. Um, wow. he, but he's oh. hard. I, I know a lot of coaches pretty well. I've always had a hard time breaking through on Harbaugh because everybody does. Um and you talk about like I I am with you. I like him being part of college football because he is his he is a fascinating guy. He's an interesting guy, and we're, we're all about making this sport interesting. That doesn't mean I'm absolving him of any wrongdoing no. here, folks. Like if he could get hammered and he could get fired and he could get suspended and maybe be deserved of all of it, um, but I would be interested in keeping him around. But I do wonder this. If Michigan could wave a magic wand after this season and and have it just have him just be in the NFL, bring in another coach, like do you think at this point there's there are people within Michigan's higher and the and the president of the university loves him apparently. Santa Ono, who's a relatively new president, apparently loves him, uh connects with him in a way that maybe other people can't. But I do wonder if there's a faction of Michigan fandom, Michigan higher ups who are thinking 
I think we've had enough of this and let's just move on. Because the the, the, the other side of that, Dan, is like he is really successful. So like you you better be careful making a change. You could easily go back to Brady Hoke. Right. Michigan is a very, very powerful football program, particularly right now. Um, so you go, oh, we'll just get another guy. Not that easy. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you should sit there and and if you sit there and think this guy has caused too much mayhem, damage to our athletic department, he he broke the rules, he should have known, he did know, whatever. No, you absolutely move off on him. But that's the thing. Um, like, do you do you think you can move away from him if you're Michigan, or do you have to just hope? Oh, please let some NFL team offer him a job because that would be interesting if they actually fired him or asked him to resign. Uh, like I, they're not going to fire. I don't think they will fire him unless it goes back to what we had said before. Yeah, like there's more evidence here there's of wrongdoing, here, of direct or wrongdoing. there's another thing, or there's this, right? Um, but my I point, do think but he, my he point is, at this, do point, they want to extend him? Yeah, probably. Um, they wanted to before this. Yes, and that's uh, do at the end of the year. Will they want him to stay? Depends on the rest of his year goes. Beats Ohio State again, yeah. Uh, most people want to stay. I mean, business is good at Michigan. And and when you get under attack, you actually make more money. Like people are more excited yeah, because they're like, oh, they're after us and all this stuff. Um, it, it, it's it's the, the, you know, being being the attack, it can be it can be good. So um, there's always exhaustion, I think, with Harbaugh. Uh, and that, that's how and it came. That's guys. how it came to an end with the 49ers. I mean, he only had uh, one right. off year with the 49ers, but the people around him were just like, "This is too much." It's too much. And that year, he was going to get like the whole season was like you. They they didn't want him anymore. Yeah. It wasn't even like at the end of the year they're like, "Well, that wasn't very good." Yeah. yeah, he went to two two NFC Championship games and a Super Bowl, and uh, in four, in, and then had a bad year. Is gone. So yeah, I, I don't. I think that if he keeps winning and, and it's not, you know, you know, it's not, nothing more comes out and it's like, geez, you should have known shape up, but we're going to put some, some, uh, what's the NCAA's favorite word guardrails in we're going to have some more people oversee hiring and, uh, another suspension next year. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's probably, yeah. Cause they're going to, they can pile this on the current case. And so can they get to, is it another three games? Is it another six games? Is it another two games? I don't know. We'll see. But where does it get? But I do think there is still a lot of support. I know there's a lot of support still mm-hmm. for, for Jim Harbaugh at Michigan um, because he's winning and because when the dust settles after the shock of these things, and, and if it isn't worse than, again, I you know, keep going back to this caveat, but it's sort of like, all right, whatever. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. Like I, I, I also covered, I covered the NFL also. I covered Spygate with the Patriots and everyone went bananas. And this is the only reason they won. And then they won like five more Super Bowls. Um, I covered deflate gate, which I still don't think the balls were even deflated, but this was a similar, like, Oh my God, Tom Brady should be banned from the Super Bowl. Tom is it it the only reason Tom Brady won games. He won like four more Super Bowls with two teams. Okay. It wasn't the ball. All right. And, and it just like every once in a while you have these massive things and you're like, uh, and you, you know, okay, shouldn't do it, but it's like, you should get to the hockey deal where it's like, this is a two minute, this is a five minute. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You know, this is a game match penalty. This is, you know, okay. Yeah. 
you know, and they, they do it in the football, you know, this is passing or this is holding, this is unnecessary. It's like, there's just, let's, let's see. Let's see. Yeah. It's, this just, could it's be... just interesting. The idea that this job might open up, but again, will Michigan, there's, there's how it could open up, right? It, again, if he gets whatever, we've already talked about how and it does he possibly... want to go because he gets the right offer. Like, I don't know that he, he, he could have had Denver last year and want it. Um, well, and somebody's got and somebody's got to want him, and, but they didn't want him. The right job opens. You say, "Duh, I'll give you the L.A. Chargers," and we got Justin Herbert. Yeah, right. I'm gonna put it this way. Let's say, and this is will not happen, but let's say Andy Reid says, "Well, I, I'm retiring," and uh, the Chiefs say, "We got to have Jim Harbaugh." Are you kidding me? Of course, he's going yeah. to the Chiefs. Yeah, uh, right. My, my but is he going to take Arizona? I don't know. Maybe, my, maybe not. My you underlying know? question is at what like does Michigan facilitate his departure and again i know and understand it, it i don't t- believe it, so. it ties back so. to the possibility that this gets worse but i don't even know like how much worse does it have to get for michigan to say we've had enough just go we don't care if you have a landing spot just go and, and you know it would have to be him direct like his involvement yeah uh no you know it, it, i think yeah. and 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 then the season falls apart yeah. There's the thing about it. If he if he's eight and four, yeah, they're, they're, I mean everything changes on whether he can win. Yeah, the, his, his untouchability right now is because he's beaten Ohio State two years in a row. And the interesting part about this, and we talk about justice, and then I'll let we'll wrap it up here. Is Ohio State has the ability to serve the justice here? Who's going to serve justice here? If Ohio State <laughs> beats them, right? Justice will be served on the field if if they can. If Ohio State beats them. That's how just because really, yeah. if if Michigan was you know already had one or two losses, this would not be as big of a deal. the The reason why it's a big deal is because they might win a national championship. Nobody cares if they can't go to the Citrus Bowl, right? Right. What we care about is that team might play for the national championship, and if they get eliminated from that possibility. Everything about this, you know, the, the temperature on this goes 100%. way, way down. So justice is Penn State has a chance to serve justice. And Ohio State has, I don't think Penn State has a very good chance, but they have a chance. And I don't, and Ohio State has a chance Purdue, to serve anybody justice. anybody can, yeah. yeah. Serve some justice. The yeah. justice Look, will be served is, on the field. If this is an Illinois uh, assistant uh, staffer doing this, everyone just, it's a funny story on our podcast. And then we move on. Yeah. But and that that doesn't absolve what Michigan did in any way. It's just the attention is because, holy crap, this team could win it all. Jim Harbaugh's a exceedingly famous person. Um, and there's this mega rivalry of venom between them and Ohio State. That's just part of being Michigan. Same way everyone's all over. Uh, you know, if if the if a coach in the Sun Belt yells at a guy on the radio, mm-hmm. we don't talk about it. But when when Dabo does. We do. So that's just part of it. It's not, it's not absolving it, but it would be, it goes from like a cute story of like, what the heck? Some crazy assistant. What the hell were they doing at Illinois? What were they doing at Kent state or something like that? But because it's Michigan, yeah, it's, I mean, it's the biggest story in the sport. Easy. Should be. Dan Wetzel writes for Yahoo sports. He's the best sports writer in the country. He, you can hear him with Ross Dellinger and Pat 40 on the college football inquirer, which is one of the best college football podcasts in the country. Um, Dan, you're just the best man. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you going long with me here. We only covered two topics, but frankly, they're pretty good topics. Good topics. Good topics. Always fun talking to you, Ralph. Appreciate you and all that you do. And those are 
uh, very kind words. So thank you. And now three and out. First down. Again, we preview the games here. Enormous weekend in the Big 12. Remember when we talked about how Oklahoma and Texas were going to march through the conference in their last season before joining the SEC and rematch in the title game in early December? Well, there is now a five-way tie atop the Big 12. Kansas State rolls into Texas this week to face a Longhorns team without quarterback Quinn Ewers. Oklahoma State and Ollie Gordon have won three straight, and they host the final Bedlam game against OU in the Big 12 this weekend as well. The entire trajectory of the Big 12, the entire trajectory of the conference and where it sits in the playoff race will be impacted by these two games. Who wins? Uh, Can I hedge my bet and say that one of either OU or Texas will lose this weekend? I'm just not really sure which one. Side note, we recorded this podcast on Tuesday afternoon before the playoff rankings come out. We're not going to repost an edition uh, after the rankings come out. Maybe we should, but we're not going to. Kind of have a feeling we know where the rankings are going to land. Some semblance of... Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State, Florida State, Washington in the top five in some order. Uh, We'll sort that out next week. But just so you know, we're recording this before the rankings. Second down, the SEC could be all but decided this weekend, too. In the West, if Alabama beats LSU, it's pretty much game over for that division. The Tide can mathematically clinch with a victory and Ole Miss loss. I think I have that right. But even if that doesn't happen, Alabama would be a virtual lock to play in Atlanta by beating LSU. An LSU victory brings Ole Miss back into play and will create a pretty intriguing last month of the season in the SEC West. Georgia hosts Missouri in a matchup of 1-2 and in the East. I don't think this is going to end well for the Tigers. But dream big, Mizzou. You almost caught the dogs last year. Again, if Georgia wins, it doesn't mathematically clinch its division. The Bulldogs still have games at Tennessee and Ole Miss to play. But they could go up two games with two games to play. And you got to like that math if you're a Georgia fan. Who wins? Well, I'm no fool. I think Georgia is about ready to roll through the rest of its regular season and head to the college football playoff. The Bulldogs might very well crush the illusion of parity in this college football season. As for the game in Tuscaloosa, bad defense tends to be sticky and hard to fix. LSU has a bad defense against any opponent with a functioning passing game. Alabama's passing game with Jalen Milrow is a long way from what it was with Tua and Jerry Judy and Devonta Smith, but it's also a whole lot better than Auburn's offense. I think the Tide will find LSU quite accommodating, and I'll go with Bama to avenge last year's OT loss in Baton Rouge. Third down, my takeaways from Iowa announcing that the drive for 325 is over and offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz will step down after this year. Uh, First of all, good for Beth Getz. She is the interim AD as Iowa transitions away from Gary Barta, but the assumption has been Getz will be Barta's permanent replacement. Clearly, she flexed her muscle here. 
which leads me to wonder if Kirk Ferentz will be the head coach much longer at Iowa. Not because I think Getz is you know, sort of dying to push out Ferentz or fire him, but clearly this was a move that makes it obvious the longtime head coach is not without a boss. At 68, you just have to wonder if Ferentz wants to deal with a new power dynamic at Iowa where he might find more, let's say, pushback to what he wants the program to be. That is the show for today. I'd like to thank my producer, John Radcliffe, for making me sound good. You can find this podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just about anywhere you like to get your pods. Please follow so you do not miss an episode. I'm Ralph Russo, the college football writer with the Associated Press. Thanks for listening. Come back next week for more of the AP Top 25 College Football Podcasts.